Welcome to the Grace Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Mauli Chikata, lead pastor at Grace Center. For more information about this message and our church, visit gracecenter.church or call 0244-010868. For some time now, we've been teaching from the book of Hebrews. We've been looking at the book of Hebrews. We are done with Hebrews chapter 1. We started Hebrews chapter 2. We are now in the verse 5. So today we are reading from the verse 5 through to the verse 13. That's about eight verses of scripture that we are looking at today. Today we are in Hebrews chapter 2 from the verse 5 through to the verse 13. And I read. It says, For God, for he has not... It says, for he has not put the world to come, of which we speak in subjection to angels. But one testified in a certain place, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all things, he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I and the children whom God has given me. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning in Jesus' name. And so, we are looking this morning at the topic, we see Jesus. We see Jesus. Whom we see is Jesus. We started the book of Hebrews and I laid the foundation on the fact that the book of Hebrews is one of the important books in the Bible because it deals with the superiority of Jesus Christ. The book of Hebrews from chapter 1 through to chapter 13 gives you the big idea that Jesus is superior to all. And we looked at how Jesus is superior when we looked at the sermon on God speaks that tells us that in these last days in Hebrews chapter 1 from the verse 1 it tells us that God in time past spoke to the fathers by the prophet but it, but as in these last days spoken to us by his son so if you want to know the mind of God if you want to hear the voice of God the voice of God is through Jesus Christ and what Jesus says is superior to all and we went into the, the issue about Jesus is superior to angels. 
and we looked at who Christ is. The Bible reveals to us who Christ is and what makes him superior. And last week or last two weeks, we looked at the fact that we have so great a salvation in Hebrews chapter 2 from the verse 1 through to the verse 4. We looked at how our salvation is so great and so powerful and he warns us not to neglect, not to neglect the things that we've been taught. And he tells us that we should not drift away. We should be careful so that we do not drift away, but take heed to the things that we have heard. Take heed to the fact that Jesus is superior to all. Take heed to the fact that if God is going to speak to us, God is speaking to us through one person, and that person is Jesus Christ. And after explaining to us how great this salvation is, we come into this place where he's trying to show us God's plan and how we see God's plan through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And he begins by telling us that there is a well to come. And that well to come is the plan of God. And he tells us that in the plan of God, God has in mind what man has to do. God has in mind what angels have to do. And God has in mind what Christ has to do. But ultimately, for us to understand the fullness of God's plan and appreciate it properly, we must see God's plan through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. And so this morning, we are looking at three areas of God's plan. Three areas of God's plan. The first is God's plan for the world. The first is God's plan for the world. The second is God's plan for man. God's plan for man. And the third is God's plan through Christ. God's plan for the world, God's plan for man, and God's plan through Jesus Christ. From the verse 5 through to the verse 8, he reveals to us God's plan for the world. He says, for he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels, but one testified in a certain place saying, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you, are, that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hand. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he has put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not see, we do not yet see all things put under his feet. In these verses of scripture, we see God's plan for the world. We see God's plan revealed through the scripture for the world to us. He says, For he has for he has not put the world which is to come. He has not put it, which we speak in subjection to the angels. Mind you, in the earlier verses, from the verse 1 of this chapter, he spoke to us about this great salvation. And the great salvation, one of the things that, that is part of the great salvation in Christ Jesus is that we believe that there is a world to come. 
There is a wealth to come that you and I, by the grace of God, as we believe in Jesus, as he appears, this world will disappear and a new world will come to us. That's what the scriptures promise us. Praise the Lord. And he's saying that in the world to come, God has a plan. But that plan is not in subjection. That world is not in subjection to angels. It's not in subjection to angels. So in these verses of scripture, we see three things about God's plan for the world. Number one is that there is a new world to come. There is a new world to come. And we see it confirmed in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 13. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 13. He said, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. In this world, which is full of sin in this world, which is full of destruction. There is a new world which we are expecting according to the promise of God. He says, according to his promise. So God has promised that there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And in Revelation, he talks about it where there'll be no pain, where there'll be no suffering. You and I in this world are going through suffering. The world as it is today because of the sin of Adam because of the sin of Adam in the garden is filled with suffering and so sometimes when we ask ourselves why do we suffer it sounds <laughs> it sounds very ignorant because <laughs> the world that it is today if you read the punishment of God to man it includes suffering praise the Lord hallelujah Amen. I know you have heard you will not suffer again no <laughs> It's, so, so it is a world in which righteousness dwells. It's not a world filled with sin. It's not a world filled with pain. It's a world, it's a new world filled with the righteousness of God. Where we dwell with God in holiness. We dwell with God in perfection. We dwell with God in the fullness of understanding of who he is. And we walk with him in holiness and in righteousness. And he says that in this new world, so that takes me to the second point about God's plan for the world. The first point is that, is that there's a new world to come. The second one is that this new world is not in subjection to angels. Remember that in some of the Jewish practices, the angels were lifted so high. Remember when we dealt with the book of Colossians, you, you see Paul addressing how Christ is superior to angels. And this word is relevant to us in our day to day, especially because the kinds of things we hear today about angels. People go and sleep and they wake up and they come to tell you that an angel has said this and this to me. There, there are movements in our country today because somebody proclaims that an angel has said something to him and people are following. There are, there are churches today, in quotes, that say that they even set aside the word of God. They have their own scriptures because somebody said, an angel appeared to him and revealed something which is not according to the scriptures we know. And so the issue about angels is important. And he's telling us that the angels, even in the world to come, that world 
is not in subjection to the angels. The word subjection means to come under. The word subjection means to become, to come under control. So the, the world to come is not in control of angels. It's just like this world. This world is not in control of angels. Praise the Lord. As important as angels are, as supernatural as they are, this world and the world which is to come is not under their control. And he's telling us that he has rather put that in subjection to man. In the verse 8, he says, you have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all things in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. So even in the world to come, God has put that world in subjection to man. Praise the Lord. So there is a place for us. He's telling us that there is a place for us. Not just in this world, but even in the world which is to come. Praise the Lord. We already know in the book of Genesis chapter 1, we'll go into that verse of scripture. But we already know that even in this world, he put when God created the world, he put it in control of man. Hallelujah. So God's plan for the world to come is that there is there's a world to come. It is not under the subjection of angels. It is under the subjection of man. Praise the Lord. We look at the second point, which is God's plan for man. So we've looked at God's plan for the world. God's plan for man. From the verse 6, he says, But one testified in a certain place, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. Praise the Lord. So here the writer quotes the scripture in Psalm 8 where the psalmist is, is proclaiming to the Lord that what is man that you are mindful of him? What is man that you are mindful of him? So here we see God's plan. The first plan of God for man is that God is mindful of man. God is mindful of you and I. Can I hear an amen? amen. The word mindful is that he never forgets about us. To be mindful means to keep in mind. To be mindful means to recall and to return to one's mind. When you are mindful of something, it means that you are keeping it in your mind and you do not forget about it. And so the psalmist is saying, what at all is this man that even though you have made him a little lower than angels, you are so mindful of him that he occupies your mind that you do not forget about him. That's God's plan for us. God's plan for us is that he does not forget about us. Sometimes we go through certain situations in life, we face certain challenges and we ask ourselves, has God forgotten about us? You know, when this um, um, tragedy happened in, in, in Turkey, 
and parts of Syria, there were people who were saying, ah, oh, there's no God. There's no God because if there's God, why is this happening? In the midst of our suffering, the scripture is telling us that God is mindful of us. Hallelujah. It's a word of assurance to us that God does not forget about us. In Psalm 144, verse 3, he said, Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him? Or the son of man that you are mindful of him. You take knowledge of him. You notice him. God notices you. Praise the Lord. God has not forgotten about you. God notices you. That is God's plan for you. God's plan for you is that he notices you. He takes knowledge of you. He remembers you. He's not forgotten about you. You know, sometimes people get surprised. And when... When, when some things are said, when God reveals some things to us, we are surprised as though, hey, me too. Hey, you know, you are going through something and you read the scripture and it jumps up to your spirit and you know that God knows what I'm going through and he has sent a response to me. Hey, me too. It should tell you how special you are. Hallelujah. You don't need me to tell you you are special. You know, sometimes we look for affirmation from men. We look for affirmation from human beings. Our self-importance uh, 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 comes from what people tell us. But if the creator of the universe is mindful of you, it should bring you that sense of encouragement and comfort that no matter what you're going through, God is mindful of you. That's his plan for you. Can I hear an amen? In Isaiah 49, verse 15, the Lord establishes this again. He says, can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son in her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you in the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Can I hear a loud amen? He says, the nursing mother, it is... It is, the, the, it is very unlikely for her to forget her child. I mean, the mother's here. Does it ever occur to you when you are feeding your children to forget about them? No matter how busy a nursing mother is, no matter how tight she is, when it is time to feed the baby, she'll wake up to feed the baby. She doesn't forget. Would you not have compassion on the child in her womb? He's trying to show us how caring even we human beings can be. Then how much more? He says, yet, surely, they may forget. So there's the possibility that a mother can be reckless and forget. That's why we get surprised. When certain things happen to children, we are like, ah, this woman is so careless. She's not caring because it is expected that she will take care of the child. She will not forget about it. But it may happen. You may forget. But he says, yet I will not forget you. He used the best example of something sticking on your mind to bring us to this point that even what we think is so unlikely may happen in the human sense. But as for him, he says, surely I will never forget about you. He says, I have inscribed you on the palm 
of my hand. What an assurance that as children of God, he never forgets us. He is with us. We are on his mind in the name of Jesus. Amen. I remember when we, were, we used to write exams and sometimes you are going to write exams and the boys are writing things in their palm. If you did some and you are here this morning, ask the Lord for forgiveness. <laughs> you know, they, some of the boys will... <laughs> Austin, the way you are looking at me, I can't preach the message. Allow me. Allow me to preach the message. They will inscribe things in their palm. Some, the boys are done. When you are studying, they say they are going to the exam center. You think they are going to study. The decks before them. So you, innocently, they will come and write the things on your desk. And then the one behind you, he's the one who has written all the formulas. So, so that when the Question comes, he sees, he just thinks, he sees the formula. Chemistry formulas. Physics. So there are decks that you see, people have written formulas. For you. you may think it is the person who is sitting on the desk who did it. No, it's the guy behind, the guy behind. They stretch their eyes. They inscribe it. Why? Because they know they will forget. You know, they, will, they know they will forget. The equations, they'll forget. The formulas, they'll forget. So they inscribe so that they can be reminded. But you see, God says that he's, he's inscribed your name in the palm of his hands. There's no way he'll forget about you. Can I hear a loud amen? amen? He said, what is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you take care of him? <laughs> the, next, the next plan of God for us is that God takes care of us. Who are we? Nobody's that God will take care of us. But in his mind, in his plan, it is that he will take care of us. Amen. Amen. To take care means to look upon, to look after. To take care means to come to help. To help. To take care means to choose. To take care means to help and to bring benefits. So he says, the Lord looks upon us. The Lord helps us. The Lord grants us benefits. The Lord chooses us. Who are we at all? Sinful men like us. That he chooses to take care of us. God takes care of us. Can I hear an amen? In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, 1 7, Peter 5, 7, he says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Cast all your cares, cast all your worries unto the Lord. Sometimes we like to hold on to our worries. Even when we come to the Lord and we pray, we still hold on to our worries. 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 We come to the Lord and we still hold on to our worries. We come to God in prayer and we still hold on to our worries. That's what happens. You see, we take our worries to God, yet we stretch forth our hands again and we say, give me back my worry after prayer. You go to God and you pray and that is what you do. You see what he's doing? <laughs> we go to God. We give God our worries and then we go back 
to God and we take it from him because we think he doesn't care. But the scripture is telling us that he cares for you. When you pray to him, he knows your heart and he cares for you. One of the scriptures that blesses me is that he says, even the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap. <laughs> Yet your heavenly father takes care of them. Those of you who believe in sowing and reaping. <laughs> he says, the <laughs> if God can take care of the birds of the air, how much more you, he will take care of you. Can I hear an amen? amen. He says, cast it on the Lord. Throw it, throw your worries to the Lord, for he cares for you. And Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He will give you rest. He will take care of you. That's God's plan. God's plan is that he will take care of you. Amen. The next point is that God's plan is that he made us a little lower than the angels. This is very important. He says, you have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. He's made man a little lower than the angels. Not in terms of importance, but in terms of operations. We are, angels are spirits. We are also spirit beings, but they are supernatural. You see, we are not supernatural, praise the Lord. Because of this body, we are limited by the body. We are limited by the sinful body that we have, praise the Lord. Yet, God, that's, that's, what, that's what is awesome and that's what is glorious. That even though we are a little lower than the angels, God cares for us and God has a plan for us. God has a plan to, to put under subjection all things that he has created in our hands. God sees us and he gives us the responsibility to the things that he has created. Praise the Lord. And he says, even though you have made him a little lower than the angels, you have still crowned him with glory and honor. You've crowned him with glory and honor. So even though we are a little lower than the angels, God still crowns us. God still crowns us with glory and honor. His power is able to manifest through us. His character is able to reflect through us. His righteousness is able to reflect through us. He's able to give us responsibility to execute here on earth. We are able to walk in his plans and his purposes. He's able to use us as his workmanship to fulfill his plan and his purposes on this earth. A little lower than angels, yet crowned, yet adorned with glory and with honor. Praise the Lord. And he says, he's put all things under him. He's put all things under him. In Genesis chapter 1, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them 
And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air. And over every living thing that moves on the earth. God gave authority to man. God put all things under us. All the creation, all the things he created. From the fish of the sea, from the animals that creep on the earth, from the trees, from everything God created, he put it under us. And he says, God blessed man. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Take charge. Have dominion. Have dominion. Take charge. That was the responsibility God gave to us. Even though we are little, lower than the angels, God still said, this is my plan and I'm going to execute it through man. But guess what? That plan is yet to be fully experienced. Why? Because he says, for you have put all things, verse 8, in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all things in subjection, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. So this plan of God, which he put all things under us, is yet to be fulfilled. But we are yet to see all things put under us. We are yet to see ourselves subduing the way it ought to be. Why? Because of the sin of Adam. But thanks be to God for the second Adam. Amen. I said thanks be to God for the second Adam. Amen. You see? So there is, there is a, a defect. There is a defect. And because of this defect, there has to come a solution to fit and make things perfect. And that takes us to the third point, which is God's plan through Christ Jesus. So he says, we are yet to see, we are yet to see all things put under him. We are yet to see all things put under him. We are yet to see us walk in the righteousness that God has ordained for us. We are yet to see the the, the fullness of the plan of God in our lives. But now we do not see all things put under him. But, the verse 9, we see Jesus. Glory be to God. We see Jesus. Glory be to God. We see Jesus. Glory be to God. He says, but now we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Hallelujah. So here we see Jesus and that is, that is the point. We see Jesus. 
We see Jesus who was what? Made a little lower than the angels. This is talking about the humanity of Jesus Christ. Jesus was perfectly God and perfectly human when he walked on the face of the earth. He was perfectly God, perfectly human when he walked on the face of the earth. And in his human element, he was like man. Praise the Lord. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. That's what the scripture tells us in John chapter 1. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. So even though Christ is God, which we have established, even these verses of scripture establish that Christ is God. Praise the Lord. If, if you look at the scripture um, that we are just reading in Hebrews chapter 2, he says in the verse 10, For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, whom are all things, all things belong to him. Amen. And by whom are all things? All things were created through him. You see, so here he's establishing that Jesus is God. Praise the Lord. And in Philippians, he's telling us that Jesus is God, but he made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bond servant. Taking the form of a slave. He came in the likeness of men. He came in the likeness of men as prophesied by the Lord. A virgin shall give birth to a child. Shall call his name Emmanuel. Which means God with us. So he took the likeness of man. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself. And became obedient to the point of death. Even the death of the cross. The most shameful death to ever experience. The death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him. And given him the name which is above every name. That at the name Jesus every knee should bow. Of those in heaven. And of those on earth. And of those under the earth. And that by every tongue, and by and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Hallelujah. Amen. So he's telling us that Jesus, through obedience, went to the cross, died for you and I, and now he's the Lord of all. At his name, every knee bow and every tongue confesses that Jesus is is Lord. And that is what brings us our salvation. When we get to the point where we are able to proclaim and to declare that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Amen. Jesus is Lord. He's Lord over all. He's Lord over all. And so Christ in, in, in his human nature had to go through death. And through his death we received the glory of our salvation. That was God's plan through Jesus Christ. God's plan through Jesus is that man has sinned, man needs salvation, and that salvation has to come through a man called Jesus. Praise the Lord. 
man fell off went off the plan but that plan has to be restored and for that plan to be restored it has to be through jesus so today we don't see us who we see is jesus we don't see us who we see is jesus we don't try to save ourselves we see jesus can i hear loud amen, amen. we don't see ourselves as the ones who can save ourselves no you can't save yourself there's nothing you can do to save yourself so he says that plan is yet to be seen is yet to be accomplished but we see jesus in the plan of god you must see jesus for many of us we don't see jesus for many of us we see ourselves for many of us we don't see jesus for many of us we see our offerings for many of us, we don't see Jesus. What we see is our prayers. For many of us, we don't see Jesus. What we see is our service. For many of us, we don't see Jesus. What we see is our good works. But can you set all aside? Because none of those things can save you. What can save you is Jesus Christ. Some are seeing angels. And he said, no, the solution is not in an angel. <laughs> for, for us to be redirected in the plan of God, we must see Jesus. For us to walk in that so great a salvation that he talks about. For us to have access into the new world that he talks about, we must see Jesus. So the question for you this morning is who do you see? Who do you see? Some of us see our pastors. Hallelujah. <laughs> Who do you see? Some of us see our family backgrounds. Who do you see? The only one who can save you, whom you must see, is Jesus. Hallelujah. And Jesus had to do this through suffering. In Isaiah chapter 53, he says, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. By his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. When Christ went to the cross, God laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so it is only through Christ Jesus that we can receive forgiveness and we can receive our salvation. Praise the Lord. The next point that we must see through Christ Jesus, God's plan through Christ Jesus, is that he is the captain of our salvation. Verse 10. He says, For it was fitting for him for whom all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make captain to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings jesus is the captain of our salvation and the captain of our salvation went through suffering in order to secure the perfect salvation that you and I need. 
To be a captain. This, this word used here means the one who leads. The one who takes the lead in anything. So in, in order to restore, Jesus becomes the captain of our salvation. Like the scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author, the author and the finisher of our faith, the leader of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shape and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This should bring us to the place where we honor the Lord. It should bring us to the place where we trust in the Lord. It should bring us to the place where we know that we are nobodies. That's why the psalmist will say, who is man? Who is man? Because man cannot save himself. Who is man who failed in the beginning? Who is man that you are so mindful of him? Who is man that you so care and think about him that you yourself will come down to die, to go through the suffering to save us? That's why we can't be proud. That's why pride must not be found in our hearts. That's why we must be filled with all humility because there's no way you could have saved yourself it had to be through Jesus and Jesus alone. That's why you don't need anybody. You must not be forced to worship God. Because it is so great a salvation that Jesus, who is God, had to make himself of no reputation to go to the cross. The Bible tells us in this Hebrew scripture that he endured the cross. It was a painful death. Isaiah said he was beaten to the point where you could not recognize him. Have you seen somebody beaten to the point where he's unrecognizable? Oh, you've not stayed in, in, in Zongo before. <laughs> you've not seen somebody beaten to the point where they are not recognizable before. Oh, you, are, you guys are that beast. You should find yourself in a zongo where a thief is caught. And that's how they treated Jesus. They beat him like a thief. To the point where he could not be recognized. And they stripped him naked on the cross. It was the most shameful. The Bible says he endured the shame. He despised the shame. It was a shameful death. They hanged him on the cross. Beat him to the point where he, they could not recognize him. Struck him. Spat on him. I'm not here to spoil your morning, but early morning, spit can be the most ugliest one. And the spitting happy. You see how you're doing? That was what he went through. He spat on his face. The early hours of the day. If somebody mistakenly spits and even touches your shoe, the way you react. Your shoe, your shoe, not your body, your shoe. The one that you can clean, your shoe. The one that can be polished. The way you talk to the person. The way you address the person from head to toe. But Jesus went through that. It was a shameful death. And the Bible says that it had to be through suffering. It had to be through suffering. And Jesus himself tells us 
He says the son of man must go through suffering. He will be rejected. He will die and he will resurrect again. So Jesus went through suffering, pain, because he's the captain of our salvation. What does that mean? It means that what you were supposed to go through, Jesus went through for you because he's the leader. So he took all for you and I. Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he says, For him who knew no sin was made sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. He knew no sin, but he was made sin. It was a substitution. So that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that is why when we come to church, we must not be forced to worship it because we appreciate how through Christ, God's plan was made manifested in our lives. Can I hear an amen? amen? The next point is that we become one with Christ. Through his suffering, we become one with him. It says, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are one. For which reason, he's not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I'll sing, your pra- I'll sing my praise to you, and again, I'll put my trust in you. Again, here I am, and the children whom God has given me. Christ calls those who walk in faith, those who trust in his finished work, his brethren. Praise the Lord. That is an honor. It's a place of honor. It's a place of glory. So you ask yourself, ha, this sinful guy that I am, this sinful lady that I am, that Jesus will consider me and call me a brother. Some of you, because of the things your brothers do, you are ashamed of them. Some of you, because your brothers smoke, you are ashamed of them. Because they drink, you are ashamed of them. (laughs) In fact, when you are mentioning the names of your siblings, you don't include them. Hello. The worst of all is those who are ashamed of their parents. Because because they say, I'm enlightened. And my parents are villagers. You know? So there are people who can't even go to their homes. They are ashamed. But you, God is not ashamed of you. Christ is not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed of you. There are people who live neighborhoods. I know of a guy who has left a neighbor where they live because his brother was arrested. The brother engaged in robbery, was arrested, put in jail. You know how we stigmatize people in the neighborhood? People started talking all kinds of things. Said, I'm tired. I'm tired of this stigmatization. I'm leaving. There are people who, because of the condition they find themselves in, their parents are ashamed of them. There are children with, with special needs and their parents don't want to identify with them. When they are even mentioning their children, they don't add them to it. Because maybe the, the, the child has a special need. You see, we reject people. But you, in your sinful state, in your horrible state, <laughs> what is man that God is mindful of us? And that's why we come with hearts of gratitude. We come to him in all humility. 
because when we believe and obey his word, he calls us brethren. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 48, he says, but he answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother and who is my brother? Who are my brothers? Verse 49, and he stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. When you follow God's will, when you follow God's path, when you follow God's plan through Jesus Christ, he calls you a member of his family. Can I hear an amen? amen. So it's, it's not about where you come from. You know, sometimes I hear these things, oh, if we fear, if we fear. No, my fear is not where I'm from. My fear is Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? amen. <laughs> sometimes I say, if we fear, if you know, I've, I've left that system. I've been translated from the kingdom of that. I belong to Christ. It has to be settled in your heart. When you believe in what Christ has done for you and you walk in obedience and you follow his path, trusting in him, he calls you his brethren. Can I hear an amen? In Romans chapter 8 verse 29, it says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We become one with Christ. We become one with Christ. We are part of God's family when we believe and trust in the finished work of the cross. And so this morning, we've looked at God's plan. God's plan. God's plan for the world. We've looked at God's plan for man. We've looked at God's plan through Jesus Christ. And we are saying that for both God's plan and God's plan for the world and God's plan for man, you have to see Jesus. To pursue God's plan, you have to see Jesus. You have to see what Christ has done for you. And you have to believe in what Christ has done for you. And you have to make that you turn to follow God's plan through Jesus Christ. Because it is in following God's plan through Jesus Christ that everything becomes complete. It's just, it is perfect. And that is what brings us to that so great salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. May the Lord help us to always see Jesus. May the Lord help us to always see Jesus. That in the midst of wickedness, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of heartbreaks, in the midst of our worries, in the midst of our challenges, that we'll see Jesus and we'll see him alone. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. May we look to him. May we remain focused. May we watch him. May we follow after him. May we pursue Christ. May our heart desire be for Jesus. May our heart desire be for that which he has done for us. May we pursue it. And when we find him, may we walk in his will. Like the disciples who followed him. Like the blind man Bartimaeus, after his eyes were opened, he followed the Lord. May we follow the Lord. May we follow the Lord and become those disciples that he so desires. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Center Sermon of the Week with Pastor Mauli Chikata. For more information, visit gracecenter.church or call 0244-010863 to get in touch with our ministry.